to sell Tune in in for change Good day, Kind of Sound Radio is Getting to know you Getting to know all about you Getting to like you Getting to hope you like me Welcome back, Kind of Sound. Uh, it's still me, David Foster. Um, after being in the hot seat last week, it's my turn to grill our next presenter. So, founder of Springwood Sanctuary, mindfulness coach, animal healer, holistic therapist, and now one of the guardians of Kind of Village, welcome Jackie Howe. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Wow, what an introduction. That sounds a bit scary. <laughs> so, I really do all of that? <laughs> well, we'll find out. So, Jackie, <laughs> this is your life. Um, born 28th of August, 1963, in Guildford in Surrey. Your father was Charles Howe and your mother, Carol. Uh, you spent your early years in South Africa. I did, yes. So... Um, yeah, lovely to be this the sort of connection with kind of sound and, and South Africa back in my back in my life, as it has been actually a lot through my life um, in various ways. But um, for the first few years of my life, I was yeah out out there, which was interesting times because it was time of um, apartheid, and I really noticed even at a young age the huge difference in society and um, all the cultural stuff. Um, which was, yeah, quite, a, well, it was a huge challenge for, for, for me and my family to cope with. Um, but the, on the positive side, I just I have huge memories of the beautiful wild animals, um, spending time in the Kruger National Park and up in the, um, the mountains and, yeah, just having a, a really lovely time in the, in the countryside there. Um, and, and throughout my life, South Africa has come back with... One of my best mates, um, Nikki, is living in Cape Town, um, so I've visited her quite often and, and in Johannesburg. And um, we were involved, David and I were involved in a um, fair trade candle making business, weren't we? We were. Um, so, and that was based in Johannesburg, really lovely little candle making studio, um, helping supporting the local community there. So, yeah. Um, it's interesting how that sort of connection has kept, keeps coming back into my life in various different ways. Excellent. Um, and um, so do you still have any links with, you have friends in South Africa? Or? Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. If you weren't typing on your computer, you would have heard me say. <laughs> <laughs> but after, One of my best mates has Nikki. Back in, back in um, then you came back to England and were sent to boarding school at the tender age of seven. <laughs> yes. But then, at 11, you were blessed with the addition of a beautiful baby brother. I was. And Roo. that's Rue. Rupert, Rue. Are you there, Rue? Hello. Hi, Rue. <laughs> um, so, Rue, what, what, what memories do you have of... Jackie, um, back in the, in your in your early days. <laughs> uh, hello, um, Jackie was uh, eleven when I was born, and uh, our our sister Amanda thirteen. Yeah. Um, so I remember them obviously being really amazingly nice, cool older sisters who looked after me a lot. I mean. 
they must have had to look after me a lot when I was a baby, which is quite a lot for young teenage girls. Um, but um, I think when I when I was a little bit older, there was a point at which I realised, well, Jackie had the only music in the house was in Jackie's bedroom, basically. Yeah. The, my parents, our parents just listened to talk radio, listened to Radio 4 all the time. There were just voices burbling on boringly all the time Jackie had a record player in the uh in her bedroom and uh records by punk bands and by I remember the first record that I really got into was Queen uh greatest hits Queen um I mean she had quite a lot of the others but but you know Bohemian Rhapsody and all of the things the order of the tracks on the Queen greatest hits is burned in my brain um <laughs> Isla are uh my uh, youngest daughter is also similarly massively into Queen and listens to yeah. her a lot. So it's been like a this repeat. This is the Queen tribute show, really, because we have Ray, who's going to be joining us later on, who's a massive Queen fan as well. So basically, <laughs> we can just hand it over to Queen and not talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, Ray, do you, do you have a question for Jackie? Yeah, I have lot, had lots of questions. And I mean, some of them are, you know, were very me-centric. So to, to, to not, not do a sort of typically me-centric question. I, we, you know, we grew up with lots of animals all around us. Um, and um, we were in the countryside and, and we had pets. You know, we had uh, Tiff, J- Jackie's personal d- dog when we were growing up was Tiffy and Honey and Panda and... Had you know she looked after a horse called Nazzy and then Winnie and Portly and Boo Boo and Ollie and they're all all of these people that are in her life all the way through and I I just wondered I know that your relationship with animals and your kind of understanding of your relationship with animals has evolved over time and I wondered how it has evolved and when I mean it's a big question <laughs> it's a great question though because yeah as you know animals are a massive part of my life and. Um, yeah, they always have been. I mean, I I guess I escaped into the animal world as my as the outside world. Spent a lot of time in. We had a little tiny bit of woodland at the back of our house when when we were a bit older. After we come back from South Africa, um, and yeah, I, I used to spend a lot of time out in the woodland, just immersed in kind of like you know berries and gnome world and and up in the trees and stuff, and and then and then just connecting with animals. Um, and just trying to work out what they were thinking and how you know how it, they were feeling about different things. So, um, and just trying to be sort of more on their wavelength and, and stuff. That's always been like a really big part of my life, actually. Um, but yeah, it definitely has evolved more over the years as I've kind of I've learned more about them and listened less to other people um, about how animals should be looked after because people like we have a bit of a funny way of um of of looking after animals in my opinion in society it's like very human centric and what needs they can meet for us so yeah um I, I that's just evolved more and more deeper and deeper as my kind of understanding's grown and i did get sort of channeled down um a sort of listening to other people and this is where you meant to look after horses by riding them and exercising them and putting shoes on them and doing all those sorts of things which i've since sort of thrown out more and more and and got more and more kind of um uh holistic <laughs> and alternative 
but yeah um yeah i mean my 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 animal family i in a way have been my closest friends in my life and 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 exactly the same as my my human family um i sort of feel about them cool um so whilst i've got you here um presumably we know that um Jackie went to a convent and was convent educated, and I assume that she was that you know a very good girl as she was growing up through her teenage years. Is that your memory of her? Yeah, she dressed as a nun throughout her childhood. <laughs> uh, spoke with a very RP accent, and no, no, she um, she was. Uh, I, th- I, I, you know, I, I was really young. Um, my memory of it was that she was amazingly cool and um she had she hung out with the, we grew up in a lingfield we grew up in a village well when i was born we grew up in a village called lingfield and there was a ga- a, a gang of bikers in the in, in the village who were called the lingfield bikers and i think they probably rode little mopeds i'm not little sure they were. yeah exactly they weren't they weren't the hell's angels that i kind of wanted to they were yeah <laughs> They had, they had, they were trying to cultivate a rep, and and I, I would say that it was, that wasn't my, our mum's dream for what she wanted uh, our family reputation to be in the village, you know, and uh, and I think probably Jackie slightly softened her accent from not being sort of the cut glass RP accent that that mum probably wanted her to speak, and so mum then characterised that as Jackie speaking very not in the right way and I just remember a lot of that going on and just thinking Jackie was having a lot of fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I definitely kicked over the traces I had this very like you know we we all had this very controlled upbringing of um our dad was like sort of you know had very Victorian values when we were growing up you know and 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 actually a lot of that has really like I love a lot of what he's instilled in in us all of that beautiful kind of sense of real right and wrong and uh, um yeah just just really um integrity and honesty and those values um and he totally walked his talk on those and and that's really i think instilled in in all of us um which is really lovely um but the flip side of that was very very um controlled upbringing from both of them and i just uh, got to teenage years and, and my sister amanda um was very like she didn't want to kick over the traces at all so then i i had to break the mold and also kind of be given a, like well your sister's never done this um so that kind of made it harder but i yeah i totally embraced the punk era um i was really anti-convent education and everything that religion stood for in those days and capitalist society and this controlled parenting so I just I really went for it with punk and just yeah embraced everything I could <laughs> so you told me in the past that meal times are quite interesting in your household and oh, quite... no, don't. no don't go into this <laughs> yes we're now my kids um my kids call them grandma's table manners and we we sometimes um yeah have to reenact grandma's table manners, which is not even being able to ask the salt, having offering the salt to somebody else first and hoping they might ask you if you want it back and that kind of thing. Which, funnily enough, we had a volunteer recently with us who had exactly the same upbringing. So we were laughing about not putting a milk bottle on the table and all of that stuff. Yeah, so it was a bit, it was a bit intense. <laughs> um, it was so- quite intense. 
Yeah. <laughs> Rose already mentioned your your music influence on him, um, and so your musical tastes presumably um, were of of the time. Oh god, definitely. And um, you you yeah. sort of into punk and yeah. Yeah. So I think that would, that's a good opportunity to go into a, a song, yeah. um, if, if we can. Not, so what was your first song? So my song isn't, my song, my first song was going to be, as everybody here knows, they got the running order, was going to be the Sex Pistols and Anarchy in the UK, because that's such a cool song. And my brother has done the most amazing video representation of that, <laughs> running through the streets of London in front of the Houses of Parliament and all of those is singing the songs and in, on, on the tube with people's faces looking in horror at him and it's just if I'm ever feeling down I play that song and it just puts a great big laugh in me I, I have to say I, I have to say you I would have to say <laughs> I have to say you, re- you need to redo that now with you know with everybody in masks oh gosh you that do be, and, and you not <laughs> in the mask and you'll be a real rebel <laughs> but I decided to be a bit more like actually what I'm going to have is High Ho Silver Lining which we've I, I wanted this song because at the end of every party that I had all through my teenage years which was the, a group of people we've talked about your disco um, last week David and you, which you ran I had a group of really close friends who ran a disco called the UK Disco, Robin and Jerry and Rob, and they were very cool. And at the end of every party, they played high hosting Silver Lining and whatever, whoever friends groups we were in or whoever's, you know, getting off with who or whatever, we all got back into a great big <laughs> um, circle and had a great big like, whoa, in, you know, in and out. And uh, so just uh, one of those songs that always puts a big smile on my face. So high ho Silver Lining by Jeff Beck.
Thank you. There we go. That was Jeff Beck and Hi Ho Silver Lining. Um, um, we're going to go over to Addy in Bulgaria. Hello, Addy. Hello from the mountains. Hi there. <laughs> Addy does a regular horoscope um, analysis at this point of the proceedings. And so I'm going to hand over to you, Addy. Yeah, abracadabra, same salabim. <laughs> so, Jackie, you were born on 28th of August, 1963. Yeah. It's a very interesting number because the number of your day of birth is absolutely equal to your general number, and that's number one. Mm -hmm. So, everything starts with number one. Next week, if you listen to my One to Eternity uh, program, then you can get some more tips on number one. So um, what can I say about that? In your nature and the way you're born, uh, your nature is very creative and you are a true leader by nature. I think David should admit that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you like everything around you to be very organized and you like to control uh, every job that you start to take it to the end, uh, the way you plan it, the way you see it ahead. And that comes not only from your number, but uh, from your planet Mercury. Mm. Because how you approach your life, sometimes up to perfection, you need to know every detail of your job. So this comes from Mercury helping you all, all the way through what you're starting to do uh, until the end, until the finish of that job. Yeah, I'd uh, agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, what can I say? You're a very down-to-earth person and you enjoy a life um, uh, without a life that excludes complications. Um, you don't like complicated things. Mm -hmm. Maybe it comes also from uh, the planet Earth because this is another of your ruling planet's Earth. So I think... Everything you do uh, since uh, your early childhood until today and further will be affected by planet Earth. And um, if you were a Gemini, for example, you would have probably gone this direction, that direction, but the Earth planet in your sign gives you the absolute, um, the, how to say, uh, the absolute... Um, truthful choice to, to work with the earth, to work with the animals. And that's your right choice that probably comes to you absolutely natural. Yeah. So you didn't have to think much. No. You just made your right choice in life, I think. Yeah, follow my heart, definitely. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> also, another very interesting thing is uh, you like to feel self-sufficient. Is yeah. that correct? Definitely, definitely, yeah. Uh, that that thing also comes from um, your element. Your element is earth. Uh, and um, some of the most interesting and important characteristics for you are, let's say, you're always keeping your goal um, in your mind in reach. I mean, every time you know it's there and you know exactly how to get to your goal. Yep, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, make baby steps is what I call it, of like just making the next goal achievable and then stepping on to the next one, yeah. Yes, and then um, you are a person that is always, always trusting a reason. 
you need to have absolutely adequate reason to you know to to trust somebody and and something also wow, this is so accurate this is uncanny <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny isn't it yeah uh, Sometimes it's weird, but uh, most of the things uh, that the planet and the numbers say to us, uh, it happened to be quite true. Mm. We just sometimes don't listen, I think. Um, what the planets always suggest to you, and I think you're walking exactly that path, is uh, you're working all the time to develop your intellectual virtues and empathy towards not humans but animals and planet and and plants and everything so this is your endless job for for now yeah that's what yeah, i think definitely definitely and it's absolutely the right choice i think you made for it comes naturally to you also you are a very fle flexible person and you have that great ability coming from your number one to deal with uh, the unknown situations, like something happens, you know, out of the blue, but you always uh, have something that triggers the right decision in your head. So you definitely have to trust that you, uh, you have that uh, instinct to, to work with the unknown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's no, I think that's really true, actually. I just... I, I sort of term it as like prioritizing things and if something comes along that's more of a priority and just constantly kind of doing a bit of a risk assessment in my head which is really necessary when you've got people and animals and stuff like that but yeah just yeah, yeah. prioritizing and um yeah that is yeah really being able to deal with the unknown definitely yeah yeah. Also, the Mercury, the Mercury planet makes you very observant and very thoughtful. So it gives you kind of innovative approach to every every new situation. So people around you should trust you more in your decision making. <laughs> Thank you. Whoever works with you, yes, they sh they should trust you more in your in your decision making because uh, you are uh, always capable of getting the right direction, the right decision at the moment of you know discussing or or planning the future. Okay. The other very very good thing is. Uh, uh, you, your animal is actually uh, in the Chinese uh, horoscope your animal is the rabbit yeah. and it, that animal gives you the calm and the steady diplomatic approach to everything people, nature, everything um, so it gives you even more you, you're often seen as a very hospitable person is that correct? And always ready to help. I would say I'm very hospitable, but I'm not sure if calm, steady, and diplomatic can always be <laughs> labelled on me. I'm not. I sort of. I speak from my heart a lot, and yeah, I try and be diplomatic, but sometimes, you know, <laughs> sometimes that, that comes yeah, across as a bit of like, wow. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe that comes when you realize that people do not accept what you say at well, the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so these are the very few traits of uh, of your um, date of birth, what, what the signs tell us and your number says to us. So uh, I have also a question for you. As um, normally they say uh, it, it's like you gain uh, – you gain uh, the strengths of the place where you're born. 
Uh, you, you are born in South Africa? I was actually born in England, but I went to South Africa at a really young age, yeah. Right, all right. But you, you grew up in South Africa? Yeah, just for the first few years, yeah. All right. Would you eventually uh, consider going back for a long period of time in South Africa again? or? Oh, that's a really hard question because I love it. <laughs> I mean, especially where, like, where, you know, where my friend Nikki is in Cape Town and that whole area where, where Hugh and Brad are down the Western Cape. It's so beautiful and it really reminds me of um, another part of the world that I absolutely love, which I feel like I've got a spiritual connection to, which is Cornwall, right down on the tip of Cornwall. That's just the, the geography of those, those two areas is so beautiful. So, and I love the sunshine, but I also, now we're in Wales, my heart is just so here, you know, it's like it's such a beautiful place that I can't actually ever imagine leaving now, which is really weird for me because I've always been like, oh, where can we move to next and, and stuff. And it's just such an incredible place here that, yeah, so, yeah, and yeah. I'm getting better. I'm getting better with the cold as I get older as well. Um, maybe <laughs> that's something to do with the bloody menopause, but <laughs> I'm definitely, oh, yeah. I've always been a real, like, feel the cold person and, oh, I'd love to live somewhere hot, but actually... Yeah, even in today it's snowing and it's so beautiful and I'm actually, yeah, bring it on. Let's get out there. So, yeah, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think probably I would love to do more visiting and um, it's exciting being involved with, you know, some, with, with the, you know, the whole kind of movement with, with all of the different projects. I'd love to go and visit out there more. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's uh, could be all from me then. Oh, okay. uh, thank you thank for your you. answer. Thank you so much. Thanks. That's so great. That all of that is like I've made lots of notes because I'm like, wow, that's so spot on. It's amazing. Thank you. I'm happy. I'm happy for that. Thank okay. you very much. Thank you, Addy. That's great. Um, okay, so move, returning to your life story then, yeah. Jackie. Um, after school, what happened to you after school? After school, well, as Rue said, um, my parents weren't too impressed with my choice of friends, with with going to punk gigs and hanging out with the uh, the Lingfield bike crowd and all of this. So I got sent to Oxford to a very nice secretarial college where I learned to be a secretary and a bookkeeper. And um, and actually, I, I was I like hated that. And then I hated the idea of that. And then I made some really good friends and I like the party scene um, with the whole university, kind of Oxford University club was amazing. So I got the fun of the party scene, uni life without having to do all the hard work had that for a year and um and it gave me um some really good skills to be able to go and do temping so i um although i i kind of hated office work it, it gave me um the ability to go and just pick up jobs and put them down and go and travel and 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 get some good income um from just being able to do temping so that's what i did um for a, a bit of time after i left school and then um i did you have yes. a gap year or anything like that? <laughs> I did gap few. Well, a gap few years. <laughs> I just did a lot of travelling, but I was working at the same time. Um, but I, so I, we went round. Um, me and um, two really good school friends went backpacking in Europe for a few months, and we just tried to eke out our money. We went with literally pennies and a backpack and um, and a, a two man tent. Um, and I was carrying the tent and 
<laughs> I was kind of tense, so I didn't have room for the sleeping bag in my backpack as well. So I opted to go without the sleeping bag and carry the tent for some unknown reason. Um, <laughs> who knows? Um, which they both feel very guilty about still to this day. <laughs> um, and that led to sleeping rough on a traffic island for some reason because we couldn't. It, wasn't big enough to pitch a tent on and we were waiting for a ferry and every all of the backpackers slept on this traffic island in Piraeus if anybody has been backpacking and, and knows the traffic island well enough it's a huge great big traffic island in the middle of Piraeus waiting for the ferry and in the middle of the night because I didn't have a sleeping bag I woke up to somebody I'd literally been walking around Athens and I had black feet and I woke up to somebody sucking my toes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anyway, moving on. I then went to, came back home for a bit. Well, say, not not one of your life. friends, I take it. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but that is implanted to my memory of like, okay, these are the reasons we don't sleep rough without a sleeping bag. <laughs> Keep your boots on. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, then I, I came back um, and uh, yeah, well, I was offered a position of working as a nanny in Dallas. And at the time, Dallas, the um, TV show was on and um, I was a big fan of that. So I was like, wow, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to go and live in a horse ranch in Dallas because obviously everybody's got to be like the television program. Anyway, I arrived and they were quite suburban. But they were multimillionaires and they had a private yacht and a private jet and we went and spent time um, traveling around the um, Hawaiian islands on a private yacht looking after these kids that these people did not want to look after and wanted to get a whole bunch of nannies to look after them so we had very good fun a um, lot of lot of us as working as nannies looking after these kids and um, being completely spoiled to death in five-star hotels when we went on the private yacht and going around different places in America and their private jet and all very opulent. And um, it made me realize, as a lot of things in my life, actually, the, the extreme and the, the, yeah, just the extremes of having a lot of money doesn't make you happy. These people were not happy. They, um, you know, they they just squandered their wealth, and it just I, like, the whole consumerism made me really sick. So it was lovely to see that much travel, but actually it gave me really good kind of basis of, you know, in my early twenties, I was twenty when I was there, just kind of really good um, barometer of of wealth, and that I want to be successful and succeed in what I want to do, but that doesn't include making lots of money because, yeah. <laughs> and also it gave me a really good barometer of when you have kids and this was like really kind of going back to, to Rue and looking after him when he was a young baby um, when, when you have children it's like they are so precious and those years go so quickly and if you don't really appreciate them then they're just gone. And so when I had my own children, I just, I just, oh, cherished every single second so much. Um, yeah, which was a lovely life lesson, life lesson to learn as well. Yeah. So after after um, you come back from nannying, you start setting up businesses of your own. I did. I, I worked for a while for other people, and I didn't like that. So I really like what Abby says is so spot on. I don't like being. I like to be the leader. I like to be in control. I have a really you know clear way of think where I think things should work and innovative approach and a bit of a change leader. Da 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 da. 
Um, so yeah, it doesn't really work for me to be taking somebody else's orders. Um, so um, I set up my own business um, and one of them was, which was really successful for quite a few years, was a jewelry business. I was offered the opportunity to um, sell gemstones to manufacturing jewelers by somebody who was a, a stone dealer and basically just handed me all of his contacts mentored me um he didn't have anybody to he was getting to the end of his kind of career he didn't have anyone to pass over that information to and um and so he he was just like it was so lovely that he shared so much information um and i got um these amazing contacts going behind all of these you know triple locked closed doors in Hatton garden and buying um you know stones buying rough getting it cut you know, it was it was amazing dealing with these beautiful diamonds and emeralds and sapphires and being given hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of stones and just entrusted with them to just take around in my battered old NG, <laughs> which broke down several times from me having a huge great case of hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of, of stones. Um, and eventually, and I did that for a number of years until eventually I realized uh, one of the things I wanted to do was travel with that and go and buy rough, for, buy the rough gemstones from, from various places um, and then get, it, get them cut myself into stones. And then I, I realized talking to these people who did that more and more that just the unprecedented levels of corruption um, and exploitation um, which I should have realized before, but yeah, I just, I hadn't really, I just threw myself into this like, wow, this is an amazing opportunity. And that is, has been another life lesson of like, don't throw yourself into something 100% until you've really checked out whether it is actually in line with your ethics, because I've got really strong ethics and values. And yeah, I'd, I'd invested a lot of time um, and a lot of energy into building up this business. And yeah. So, but whilst you were doing all that, you, I, I believe you converted a coach house. Didn't you? Oh my God, yes, I did. Yeah. So my parents had this old Victorian coach house next to their, next to their property. Um, and I converted it into a beautiful home, um, a two-story home. And it, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, it's a really, really beautiful place. Don't live there any longer. Um, but yeah, it's a stunning place. And, and one of the things we did was in the 80s, where was the great, and we had some beautiful oak trees that very sadly got uprooted um and we had some of those made into beams um and put the beams into the coach house and yeah i project managed that and learned so much about building and um property maintenance and and that sort of thing and did a lot of quite hands-on with a lot of it um so that was fun yeah and you got married <laughs> yes, I got married. Had two amazing children. Have two amazing children. Will, who is now um, twenty-seven. Charlotte, who is now twenty. Oh my God, no! They're twenty <laughs> twenty-six, and they're going to kill me for this. I'm sorry, guys. They're twenty-six and twenty-eight. No, they're old. They're grown up. They're they're not children anymore. They're absolutely amazing, amazing human beings, and I'm so proud of them. <clears throat> They went to Wardell School and they just got an amazing, um, yeah, amazing outlook on life. And I love them to pieces. So um, having seen the, um, the corruption in the jewellery business, you kind of had a life change there to decide not to be doing that sort of work. 
and you went into uh, more sort of healing work. I did. So um, when Will was born, he had quite a lot of, um, he had eczema as a baby and it made me, and, and conventional medicine was sort of, you know, wanting me to slap steroids on him and give him injections for this, that and the other. And it just really, like everything in my body intuitively knew that this was so wrong. Um, so I started reading up about, um, you know, the whole what doctors don't tell you and, and whether steroids are good for you and whether injections are good for you. And I learned so much and I just read and read and read and I was absolutely obsessive about like, how could I make the world a better place for, for my beautiful baby boy um, and, and try and help him to heal. Um, so, um, and I'd always been um, drawn to healing and as we talked about earlier, animals um and and kind of you know connecting to them and um my mum has always been really interested in spiritual healing and sort of instilled or inspired me with that um so that was something that kind of came naturally i didn't think of anything that was weird really it was just um you know or unusual it was just something that i sort of did so i yeah, um, I, I threw myself into doing some training, so I kind of could put a label on it, really, and did some Reiki training and um, some Alomi training, which is a lovely Hawaiian healing um, modality. And then I met um, my wonderful friend, Diana Coldman, who's mm. with us here. Hi, today. Diana. Hi, Jackie. Hi, David. Hi, oh, it's, it's lovely sitting here listening to your life story. I must say, I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so lovely thank you so much for being with us um yeah so um we met um we met in a yurt actually didn't we yes yes we did i was i was just sort of um sort of musing over you know i mean how long we've known each other i mean it's been well over i mean 10 12 years something like that um and yeah we actually met in a yurt didn't we in sussex and i think was yeah. it I know it was a workshop, but I think was it the crystal healing workshop? It was in it was in um a, it was in the forest gardens. Yeah, yeah. which is yeah. the place that's inspired me to create a forest garden here, which is yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. and it was I think it was one of their open days actually because you were definitely doing that's crystal right. healing in the earth. That's right. And um and with another lovely lady who's doing sound healing. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. Very clearly beautiful. And, I mean, that was really our first connection. And it was just, I mean, obviously it was like a, it was a day, wasn't it? And then it was from that and it was just chatting with you and discovering that, you know, the common thread, I know, you know, you had horses by then. Um, and I was doing other healing workshops at, at Forest Garden. Um, and and I think it was, I actually sort of looked up in my files because I know that we, you know, we you did your Reiki training with me and your equine Reiki. Mm. That, was, that was in 2013. So um, I, how time has flown on that. Mm. Um, and also I know that we did, um, I think for me, what was interesting and, and a memory I have is when you came along to, it was um, a horse, horse, holistic horsemanship and healing clinic that I did with a colleague. Yeah. And even at that point, you were, you you just wanted to just sit and observe the horses I noticed yeah um and that was really it was very different to how others were approaching horses huh. um and and I know there was a point where I you even asked me to come over and give Missy your mare some healing as well yeah um and it it was just 
it was the way you were explaining it and just sort of observing how you are with horses. It, for me, it just feels, looking back now, it just feels natural that you were then going to go on to do the work that you do with horses. Um, you know, that sort of, well, holistic and mindfulness approach. And, and also another memory that sticks out for me is when you came to where my horses were and you took me through a mindfulness practice and, you know, I found that really invaluable, even though it's a, you know, I use healing with horses and I do other healing, you know, shamanic work, etc. That mindfulness technique was was really quite profound at the time. Um, so, you know, to, to be able to say thank you for that in a public setting is, is, is fabulous. Um, but I can't leave the sort of, you know, I have to mention fabulous lonely lonely massages that you were doing from your own yurt if i recall indeed yes um, and that was that was just fabulous so you know your healing work to you know that's the common thread if you like that binds us you know the horses exactly. and the healing work yeah. um and i just think wow and now you've moved to wales it just feels like you've you're stepping into what you're meant to be doing it just feels oh. for me it just feels absolutely fabulous so um yeah just really sort of good stuff and and just seeing how how the herd have grown as well so i'll come back to a question maybe in a yeah, while well no actually die if you've got a question ask a question oh, right okay well i was just thinking about you know that common thread and horses and i know that you know since we knew each other in sussex that you know you've experienced two major moves with the herd in a relatively short space of time so you know, how, can you explain how the horses have adapted to change and their surroundings, but how that maybe can, you know, help along with your experience with mindfulness, help with people that will be visiting the sanctuary that where you are now, who may be suffering with deep anxiety, fear and, you know, crisis, but, you know, particularly as a con consequence of the current um, thing we're going through. So how do you thing, see that thing, working out? Thing, we don't mention it. It's the thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Brilliant. Thing. Great question. Great question. Yeah. So I'll just sort of fast forward a bit and just do a quick catch up. Like we went from the healing to doing a lot of healing work with the horses to, um, to doing some mindfulness training with um, another awesome healing um, teacher. Um, her name is Paula Pluck and she does a lot of mindfulness training. So I've done a lot of training with her. And then I set up, um, I started doing, working as a practitioner, um, helping other people. And then I just decided that actually I wanted to, my quote for today is, be the change you want to see in the world um, by Gandhi. I, I literally, I, you know, do my best to walk that, walk that talk and, and embody that quote. Um, I think that um, it's really important. And I just wanted to set up a sanctuary to model a different way of being that we didn't need to use animals even for like you know animal therapy or anything just actually let the herd be um and 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 just yeah just help them holistically and assist them to be thrive and and to be their best but to actually allow them um to to be a herd and a forever herd and not be splitting them up them up and and giving them as much enrichment as possible um and in that whole sort of journey i've learned to um, to really nourish nature as well and really, you know, look after the earth um, and, and look after people as well because in that it's like a, this sort of symbiotic kind of like if people and animals and the land are all healed, then we can all just thrive. Um, and it really is as simple as that. 
And I think getting back to mindfulness, then just being really in the moment and 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 just embodying that healing kind of really helps that. So, um, as far as their moods is concerned, they have just. I mean, horses are always in the moment, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> they they just are. I mean, like all animals are, but horses just embody that grounded in the moment thing. And I think if we can get our out of their way and out out of our own headspace and be in the moment with them. And, and um, I mean, that's my kind of my philosophy with animal communication is just being really grounded, being really present and just giving them that intention and sharing that message of, of what we want. Um, then they can um, they can just be healed. They're amazing. They can they can do all of this stuff and just be in this this amazing healed state themselves. Um, so, uh, um, yeah, as far as their moves are concerned, I have tried not to get worried about it really and just gone you know what yeah, they're going to yeah. be they're going to be fine um yeah. they're going to be absolutely fine so um yeah and then people coming into that space just teaching people mindfulness teaching people to to be in the moment and observing the herd as they are really really helps people with with anxiety and stuff so i've had um does that answer the question Di? Yeah, yeah no kind of... <laughs> no it does because I think you know at the moment you know there is a lot of you know anxiety and you know potential yeah. mental health issues Definitely. um and you know you've explained that really well how you know just being helping letting the herd be a herd and then introducing people to that concept and just where they where they become part of that that rhythm as you say yeah. with the with the land and the horses as well and allowing Definitely. that as and what, part of the so, healing process so one of the one of the things that I, i've done some retreats i've done quite a few retreats with people coming in and enjoying that but yeah. also on more of a regular basis what i've absolutely loved doing is inviting people as volunteers to come and help on the land on a regular basis so they get to know the herd they get to know the land, they get to know to me, we work mindfully every day, we just enjoy being on the land. And one of the biggest sadnesses of leaving um, Sussex was leaving one of, well, several of our lovely volunteers, one of who is here today, who is actually your brother, I know. who introduced us um, to each other, Ray, hello Ray. Hi, uh, how are you doing? Good, so lovely to have you here, thank Hi, you Ray. for joining us. Oh, hi, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, I haven't actually got a question for you, Jackie, but Good. What, what, I would, what I would like to say is thanks to Di, my, my lovely sister, Thank you, um, I got to meet you through her because you two were friends. And I, I was in a crossroads in my life at the time because I've been working at another sanctuary a few years before for seven, seven and a half years. Unfortunately, the person passed away and I was left with nothing to fulfill me in, in the way that I wanted to be fulfilled with, with animals. And I've been working with horses and uh, working with other animals at this particular sanctuary, but I'd never known until I met you how horses react to people and how you bring that out of them. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel very privileged to have learned that from you. Aww. Well, it's been lovely sharing it with you, eh? Really has, and I'm so I, grateful. I, I, You've done done a massive amount for us, um, you know, on a physical level in return. So I'm glad that we've given you something something back. That's cool. Oh, you have, Jackie. It, it's been really amazing journey for me on that respect. And and um, I remember coming up to you um, on a particular morning a year after my I lost my little 
friend. And you were so good to me. You just told me to go into the woods and go around the lake mm. and just deal with it, which was oh. absolutely <laughs> That sounds very harsh. <laughs> no, not deal with it in a, in, a, in, a, in a nasty way, but just go and... Go and enjoy yeah. the lake. No, I know what you mean. Actually, just enjoying nature and just being yeah. being in nature and being in the present moment. It's such a healing thing, and I know know how healing that is for you. So, yeah, just without trying to throw yourself into different things to um to distract yourself, actually allowing those feelings and and just connecting with nature. It is incredibly healing, isn't it? It is. It is. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Ray. Hang around, Ray. We'll come back to you in a bit. Um, I think we've got some questions from other um, presenters on this show. Um, I think we've got a question from Hugh um, on um, there in the studio. Question for you is, having observed the way you treat your animals and put it on their forelocks, stroking the napes of their neck, rubbing their ears and whispering gently, and seeing the horse's tongue come out and licking its lips and his eyes rolling I just wonder how your treatment of David compares to that and his response <laughs> to I such treatment I okay, where let I'm me know with that. <laughs> thank you Hugh so Hugh is the founder of our <laughs> of kind of village here um, yes and um, a great sense of humour thank you my darling <laughs> Well, um, shall I answer for you or? <laughs> I think moving on. Moving on from that. Thank you, Hugh. Um, I think we've got uh, hopefully a very sensible question from Kath. Temp- Hello, our gorgeous Jackie. It's Kath Temple. I have one question for you. If you ruled the world, what would you mm-hmm. change? <laughs> That's not a small question, but just some of the things that you would change if you ruled the world. Loads of love. Enjoy your day. Oh, my God. That's such a big question. <laughs> and we're really out of time. <laughs> um, okay, so I think everybody who knows me knows that I'm a passionate um, vegan advocate and animal advocate. And I just, I think, you know, I would, I would, if I, if I had a choice to do this, um, I would stop animal exploitation. I would enable people to see that they are beautiful souls and we don't need to, we don't need to exploit them in the way that we do and we can live alongside them and we'd all be so much happier in our souls. Yeah. That's great. I have, a, I have a question on um, which is sent in by a message from Joe, yep. who's, um, who works with Kind of Sound. Uh, the question is, it's so special how you care for rescued animals at Kind of Village Wales and just letting them be without any expectations, as free as possible. Do you feel all animals should be completely free to live their lives in nature without service expectations from humans? How do you feel about animals being trained to serve humans for a good purpose? For example, Labradors being trained to guide the blind oh good question thanks joe yes i do feel that all animals should be able to have autonomy over their bodies and live as equally as us i definitely do feel that um i have over had a very 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 close friend who was blind um she was a total inspiration to me she was the most positive amazing person in the world her name is carol woodrow she sadly 
no longer with us. She's with us in spirit. And um, and she didn't have a blind, uh, she didn't have a guide dog. Um, she had dogs that lived with her who were in a bit of a pack and who had amazing life. She didn't have a guide dog because she felt that she didn't agree with the training um, that they were put through. And the fact that quite often guide dogs get given to people who don't have an affinity with animals and treat them quite harshly. And that they're put into situations where they're in harnesses and then might be in a scary situation. Um, so that colored my judgment of guide dogs. And then I went to do some consultation with a guide dog who had been literally in a harness um, working for her blind owner um, and been attacked by a little terrier and was totally traumatized and couldn't go back into guiding again. Um, so, um, yeah, we worked with her and gave her the absolute clear intention that she never needed to do that. And from that moment on, once she understood that, she was able to go on and heal. Um, but she, she, she carried that trauma with her until she realized that it was going to be safe for her not to, um, you know, to, to, to heal and to, to live um, happily. So, yeah, um, I think any kind of use um, for training of any in any way is, um, is a big no-no in my books. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, so bringing us up to date now, so uh, your latest venture with me is, yeah. is kind of Village <laughs> Wales. Um, so talk to us about that. Okay, uh, literally, I think we've got a couple of minutes. Of yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh my goodness, it's the most beautiful place. And I just really hope, hope, hope and pray that we get past this horrendous business that we're in at the moment and that so many people can come and enjoy this place with volunteering and respite breaks and come and enjoy building up the permaculture vegetable garden and the forest garden here. There's so much potential here and um, beautiful places to come and stay. Um, and um, so we've got the herd living um, as free as possible, but we've got some beautiful barns and hard standing and areas that they can also have their needs met in, in those ways. We've got a lake that I'm looking out onto at the moment and a river behind us. We've got about a mile and a half of river frontage of the River Tavy, which has got otters and kingfishers. And I can't wait till May till all of those are apparently going to be around and we can witness them. And yeah, it's just so exciting here. And there's so much potential. And we just really want to be sharing it with people who are going to be able to come and and be healed, you know, just just on the land, not, you know, anything else, just come and just enjoy the mindfulness that we're creating here and the beautiful healing center and um, and just, yeah, and enjoy the, enjoy the land and the connection to the land. And we also want to create a um, vegetable garden that is a community vegetable garden. So helping the local community and those people in need and bringing the local community in to get involved in how do you create a vegetable garden? And then on a, bigger scale we want to be kind of doing some some online courses and some and stuff to sh teach people how to replicate what we're what we're building here so yeah big 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 dreams and passions and i'm so excited that we're somewhere that we can put all of those wonderful dreams that we've had um over the years into into practice it's just it's just amazing and hugh i just can't thank you enough for giving us this opportunity i'm just so grateful because it's just 
oh, a wonderful place. <laughs> and to find out more about the um, community here in Wales and the other communities around the world that um, Hugh's involved with and uh, the kind of villages around the world, tune in at 5.30 <laughs> to the community programme on this sh- on this show. Yeah, so every Sunday we do an update of what we've been up to and, you know, and yeah, it's really lovely, lovely way of kind of catching up with 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 this and the other projects around the world, um, Adi, who we met earlier, is is in Bulgaria and she she joins us on that show as well as Hugh and Brad in South Africa. So yeah, it's good fun. It's really nice to have all those connections of other people doing stuff as well, which is really inspiring. Excellent. I think we're we're so fast running out of time here, unfortunately. But thank you, oh. J- Jackie. Uh, thank you, um, Rue, Di, Ray, for yeah, your contributions. Thank you, guys, so much. Lovely to have thank you here you. with us. Bless you, Jackie. Yeah, great. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks. It's uh-huh. it's it's been a, anything anything to add at the last here, Jackie, from you. Um, anything to add? Oh my goodness. Sorry. I've just talked my way through that kind of village vision so quickly because I thought we were running out of time. Nothing to add. I am just, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm so, I'm so happy that we are, um, that we are where we are and that we are able to, um, to be, to be, give this, give the herd this beautiful forever home um, and to do more rescue for horses if we can. um, When we've got, the um the use of more land here um which is going to be coming up in the spring and i just really look forward to all of you guys in the studio here with us coming and visiting i can't wait where you're coming soon aren't you yes in the next week or so yay i can't wait and die you need to come visit and woo you need to come with your beautiful family <coughs> my lovely lovely uh, nieces no, my lovely wait people. until we can yeah <laughs> yay so so Jackie to, to play us out what's your last song your second song okay this is going to make Ray very happy because he's a big darkness fan like literally travels around the world and watches them so he is a darkness groupie <laughs> aren't you Ray definitely this is true <laughs> um and I um to quote the lines from the song I totally believe in a thing called love that is my my vision is to is to share love really and that's all it comes down to is to be in a heart-centered place and to be in that place of love um so um yeah the darkness put it so beautifully and um and you know share that with fun and exuberance in their inimitable way so we're going to go out with I believe in a thing called love from the darkness. Thank you so much, everybody. everybody. Have a great week. Thank you. Bless you, Jackie. Thank you.